0: Hey, what's going on? This is The Doug Show. In this episode, we are catching up with Duke. And Duke was back from uh, one of the first few episodes, and this is an update. So currently, he's making about $2,500 per month from his two sites. And one of the sites is a little older. One of the sites is a little younger. And the interesting thing is the, the younger site with fewer posts is actually making more money than the bigger site, something like 500 posts, I think, something like that. So anyway, we dig in pretty deep. Duke is super helpful and super inspiring. And we go into like Pinterest, we talk about content. And actually, I'll back it up just a tad. I I won't try to explain everything here. But Duke was experimenting with getting Pinterest traffic as well as really being analytical about it. So he was setting up uh, Google Analytics and some other tools to be able to track whether or not Pinterest traffic was worthwhile or not worthwhile. And I published this episode, uh, the actual interview portion, over on YouTube a little while back, like shortly after Duke and I recorded this in the early part of 2019. And there was a ton of interest. So Duke has been uh, super active on my live streams over the past, you know, couple years, basically, and you know, people know him because he because <laughs> he's out there helpful, uh, out there being helpful, answering questions and that sort of thing. So that said, Duke has so many comments uh, on that video, and he went back and answered a ton of them. So at the after the interview, at the end of this episode, I'm going to go through a few of those comments and questions that people asked from the audience and then Duke's answer. And then I'm sure I won't be able to shut up. I'm sure I'm going to add my two cents in too. So without further ado, let's get to the interview.
1: What's up, Duke? How are you doing today? Well, it's another day in paradise. Even though it's raining, it's still nice. And, uh, Finally got done with the move that we started back in November. And so we're starting to get on schedule again and get our routine going.
0: Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you hopping back on for an update. So for people that aren't aware, Duke had a success story to share about, uh eh, something like 6 months ago. I'll put a link if you haven't seen it so you can check it out. So this is sort of a checkpoint and you're a fixture in the the live streams that I do. So if you're if you're <laughs> not there one day, people ask about it and people want to hear the update. So,
1: yeah, um, it kind of made me feel good that people were asking. It's like,
0: gee, <laughs> yeah. I must
1: have I, I must have made an impression.
0: Yeah, you definitely did. I mean, you're one of the, it's one of the most popular interviews we have on the channel. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess you're just a likable guy. <laughs> <laughs> Back then you were making about $1,000 a month from Amazon affiliate revenue, and it's been about six, seven months. So kind of update us. What's been going on?
1: Well, Christmas season was good, but not as good as I had hoped. Broke over 3000 during Christmas. The smaller site is doing really well and the return is really good. The larger site did not do as much as I had hoped. So it's kind of, I do don't—I wouldn't call it struggling. It's profitable, but it's not nearly the return compared to the smaller site. Gotcha.
0: And so you have two sites. One of them is a little younger than the other and one of them a little older. Yeah. Can you tell us just like sort of the breakdown, like the content that you have on each one, and if you obviously we're not going to tell mention the sites here, but like if you could give us an idea of like the approach
1: and difference in each one. The smaller site, which is the older site by six months, it is a niche site or niche a topic site. It is geared towards businesses that use different types of products instead of going to directly to consumers. I instead went to a business that has a lot of questions and a lot of needs of how to do this and how to do that. And so it is probably 40% informational, 60% money pages. Okay. The larger site is directly to consumers and it's a general niche category, basically a review site. I targeted 22 different product lines, Mm -hmm. uh, not brands, but types of products. And then did, oh, between 15 and 30 posts per each product. It is probably 20% informational and 80% money pages or targeting money keywords. Gotcha.
0: Okay. And over there, it sounds like you, if I do my math right, you have a few hundred articles on the larger site?
1: 540, I think. Okay. Did you write all that? No. (laughs) There was a lot of lessons I learned with this larger site that uh, uh, is serving me well now, but was quite the struggle at the time. I didn't write, I I might have wrote 10 of them. Cool. Okay.
0: All right. What I want to do is dig in on that larger site. And when did you
1: start that one? Last December.
0: Okay. So last December. So that is like 2017, right? December 20s. Like
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, we're in 2019, right? Yeah. 2017.
0: Yep. I get this question all the time, right? So it's like, oh, I, I found several different product line keywords. Can I create a general site? And my answer is, well, I wouldn't do that and I never have, but people do that. And I have seen some that make money and they're successful. But usually the cautionary tale that I give is like, well, that means you're competing against like the wire cutter or other very right. large sites. And typically, you're spread too thin, there's a lot of content that you have to cover, and you'll never finish, right? It's like a never-ending battle to catch up. It's always a compromise. So, again, I've never done it, but from my observations, that's what I see. So, what what do you think? What did you learn?
1: Well, I had heard the same... You and others say it wouldn't be recommended, but I'm kind of a—I have a little bit of a contrarian personality in me. Sure. When somebody says you shouldn't, I, sometimes I do. Right, right. <laughs> and and I also wanted to test my skill to see if I could. Would I recommend it? No, for two main reasons: a, the competition is a lot tougher, and b, to get Google to see you as relevant for. The topic that you are trying to rank for is much tougher. I've made it profitable, so it's not like I lost money or it didn't it didn't work. But it was five to ten times the work in order to get the, get it profitable.
0: Yep, that's a good way to put it. And most people, as you know, they would never follow through as far as you did with the. Uh, you're you're a stubborn man, I could tell. Um, <laughs> yes. So like you published the five hundred articles, you invested you know, probably thousands, thousands of dollars into it just on content without the guarantee, right? Like we're all taking a risk, investing our time and energy and money into it. It's great that you got it profitable, but at the same time, like, like you're saying, it was just more work than it needed to be potentially. Yeah.
1: Well, my smaller site up until just recently only had about 70 articles on it, yet it made more money than my larger site. So just to emphasize
0: again, so it's like 70 articles versus 500 and something. Yes. And it
1: it was more profitable. That tells you exactly what you need to know. Right. (laughs) I haven't decided yet whether I'm I'm going to do something with the larger site. I don't know if I'm going to sell it. I might sell it. It's profitable, making about $1,000 a month. So I could make a little bit of change off of it. Or if I'm going to break it down into about three different niche sites. Now, so I haven't decided yet.
0: Now there I can't remember the name of the site, but there was a large site, like wire cutter size, and they they were acquired and the new owners broke it up to like six new sites. What was the name of it? About dot com, I think.
1: Okay. Uh, they had they switched it to oh yeah, there's about six different sites. Now I can't think of yeah. the names off the top of my well, head. I
0: think it's like Life something.
1: LifeWire's one of them.
0: LifeWire, okay. Yeah. So, so the point is um, they like about.com. I've obviously had like a crazy amount of content all over the place and they were like, Hey, like, let's try this. Maybe it was a lot more strategic. I'm summarizing. Mm-hmm. I, I read the headline, right. but I didn't read the whole article. <laughs> right. So basically, they split it up in like profit, traffic. Like you could see it if you just do some investigating. You could see the growth that they had. So that's an interesting idea. And you, you said it's making about a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Okay. What's the other site making?
1: It makes between a thousand and fifteen now.
0: Okay. So you're about two thousand, twenty five hundred consistently. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And you started. The older site at the end of 2017. So within a little, like in about 18 months ish. 18 months. You 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 hit about two thousand dollars a month. Yeah. Nice. Very very cool. So with the amount of content that you published on uh, the larger site, from a content standpoint, what did you learn about you know hiring writers, working with writers, just running that machine of content?
1: Well, I started off by trying the up Upwork method and hired writers and honestly i could not find ones that did a good enough job mm-hmm. i kept on get they would say they were native english speakers send me something that looked good and then when i got the real product it was not nearly as good and it wasn't native english speakers mm-hmm. so i don't know if they were farming it out to somebody else or what but anyways So eventually I got frustrated with Upwork and I went to a content broker, a company, and they have done an excellent job for me. And so for about 20, well, I pay $20 a thousand Mm -hmm. for a thousand words and they produce great content. Okay. As good or better than I could.
0: Okay, cool. We won't mention it right here, but we'll discuss (laughs) after. And then include a link if uh, appropriate. So, right. Put it that way. Yeah.
1: Later on, I saw that John Dykstra also uses them. So,
0: okay, cool. Friend of the show, good guy, John. So, okay. Very good. So, you started using the content broker, good deal, high quality. So,
1: yep. And that's, I still do all my own formatting and publishing, but that's kind of, I don't know if that's me not wanting to delegator if that's cuz i really like to do it but that's where i put in my seo stuff to make it search engine friendly so sure. i don't ask the writer to be an seo in fact i give them no seo instructions i just ask them to write then i put in the seo
0: perfect okay cool and i think it's i mean it's good like at some point you have to like do the qa the quality assurance at some point so that is it's a fine time to do it right and then you could put in the portion right the seo expertise that you don't want to outsource that's that's your special specialty right so yeah well on to seo when you get the content actually just take us through the process what format do you get it in how do you upload it like what what are you doing for the seo portion
1: i get it in a word docs format and i just uh i'll put in the title a lot of times a lot of times, I've just given them the keyword as the title, so they have the keyword, and then I'll rewrite the title. So I'll put in the title, you know, and I make sure that the keyword's in the title and in the URL and the meta title, you know, meta whatever, H one, all that stuff, which WordPress normally does for you automatically. My sites are running, and we've you've mentioned this theme before, but they're running on the Rehub theme, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, and it uses WordPress Bakery. It used to be called Visual Composer or whatever. So instead of using the new Gutenberg, I just switch it over to Visual Composer. And I'll just paste the article into the, the content area. Then I'll add an H2 that has the keyword in it. I will make sure that the keyword is in the content once. There will be variations of the keywords in H3s. I'll put in an original image. Uh, in fact, I use a Pinterest-optimized image, so it's mm-hmm. a vertical image instead of horizontal. And I'll put sometimes, it all depends if I'm getting lazy or not, but I'll put the keyword in the alt tag of the image. Yep. And usually it's best read widgets image. Right. right. <laughs> and that's that's my uh, little alt image. tag. Okay, good, good. Yeah. All right. And then... Like what you do, I'll the first mention of the product. I'll link it to Amazon. Then under features, I have a content box that you get from Content Egg mm-hmm. that shows features, price, and images. All you know, you can tab through them and see everything. And then I'll go through and I'll list it once more in a little call to action box at the bottom of the article.
0: Okay, good. So to summarize some of the like technical stuff, so you, you're using the Rehub theme? Yes. Okay, which I, I've talked about a lot, but partially um, because you and I discussed it before, I heard it from a couple uh, students in Five Figure Niche Site, and then I checked it out. And it's a great theme. It has the visual or the WP Bakery, so you can do some, yeah. you know, some custom design if you want to. And then you mentioned Content Egg. So what is that for the people that don't know?
1: That is also a plug-in. There's a free version and a paid version. It works in conjunction with the Rehub theme. They've, they've collaborated together. What that does is it pulls all the Amazon API information for you. You can do it right from the back end. You can put in your product or your ASIN number. It'll pull it right up. You can put in a short code, and it, it gives you a nice little call-to-action box or information box of some kind, that type of thing. Okay. The thing I I like about it the most, and it's back end of the plugin itself, is it has a tab for all the products that you are covering in your website. And it'll tell you which products are out of stock or discontinued. And you can just go there and replace them and keep it all up to date. And it's a thousand times faster than trying to do that manually.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I can't. I mean, that is an auditing situation if you want to solve that on your own without a tool. Yeah. So, yeah. with the paid version of Content Ag, like, uh, wh- is that what you get, like the extra checking?
1: Well, uh, yes. With the paid version, you get the extra checking. You also get eBay, uh, Walmart. You can have, I mean, almost every affiliate program out there, it has connection to their a- APIs. I use eBay because on my reviews, I give a price comparison. So they can either go to Amazon or they can go to eBay, whoever has the cheapest price.
0: Nice, so in, what what's the payout typically on the eBay side? How's that work?
1: eBay's different. They pay you a percentage of their profit instead of a percentage of the total sale. They pay you a percentage of the profit that they make. It has came out to be very comparable to Amazon. I'm usually between 5 and 6% of the sale price on okay. eBay. Gotcha. Interesting.
0: Okay, is there anything else uh, on the content side or on-page SEO that's worth well, mentioning?
1: One of the things I'm doing, and especially working on the small site, is... There's uh, your dog. I can't remember his name. G- Georgie, is, Georgie. Uh, she yes. is
0: sensing something in the front. Someone closed the <laughs> door.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, one of the things that WordPress Bakery allows you to do, especially – as it's fitted with the rehab theme, is you can actually do your own related content at the bottom of the post. So you just pull it up. You can do manual. Then it'll search for you know. You can put in like say, well, put in red widgets, and every article on red widget, it'll pull it up, and you can start adding them. So you have control of your related content. You can do it once. It's mm-hmm. done. It's not done by a plugin, and it's done relevantly. Yeah. So. Th- that's very important. It, on my small side, I get uh, well, I get 1.8 actions per visitor. Either it's pages or it's click-throughs to Amazon or eBay, or it is some type of they have completed a task of some time on my website.
0: And how do you track that? How do you track actions per
1: user? Well, I was using Google Analytics up until this month. You can set up an event in Google Analytics and you can set it up to track all outbound links or you can set it up to track links to a certain domain which then you put in amazon.com you can set it up to well it already tracks page views but you can set it up to track downloads all kinds of things so you use events and then i also use an adjusted bounce rate event which is a timer Mm -hmm. and it So it'll ping the browser that the person's using every 15 seconds, so you get a much more accurate time on site. And if they've engaged in your content at least 15 seconds, I feel they've engaged with your content and didn't just... Come there and go, ooh, this is ugly, and bounce back. (laughs) A lot of people ask about how to track this stuff. Was it pretty easy for you to set up? I used Google Tag Manager, which there is a couple good tutorials on YouTube. And also, if you're a reader, you know, search. Setting up Google Tag Manager. Uh, anal- the analytics cl- code is harder, so I use Google Tag Manager. Recently, I just switched. I was dealt with some negative SEO over the the last year. Some people just got jealous or wanted to make it fail or whatever. Right uh, after I did a couple interviews, and I see them come and find me. I mean, I'm too transparent, but that's okay. I dealt with negative SEO and I was dealing with a negative SEO attack, I believe, where they were sending bounce bots to my site to bounce in and bounce out to give me bad user metrics Mm -hmm. with Google. And that was being tracked. The only thing it could have been tracking, because they were coming in actually using, it was obvious they were bots. They were using Microsoft Internet Explorer 9 and Windows NT or Windows Vista or Windows 7. Mm -hmm. And it's like, who uses (laughs) Windows Vista anymore? Yeah, come on. So they were obviously on an old machine that they were just, you know, they did a program. Well, I got concerned and I would see that my Google referral traffic would drop when these guys would come and do their little thing. So, I eventually switched and I switched out of analytics and switched to server side of uh, PWIC. It's called Matomo, but -hmm. they provide the server. And so, uh, and it has all the same analytics and it's nine bucks a month. So, no biggie.
0: And so, by doing that, does that like remove the effectiveness of the bounce SEO?
1: I'm not sure. I am assuming that google you they have said they don't but i never believe anything google says they don't do they say they don't use analytics but i noticed that it was affecting my traffic my guess is, is they may use analytics as a confirming signal maybe not a ranking signal mm-hmm. but a confirming signal which would be okay we think we should rank it here what does analytics show sure interesting that's that's my guess And that's just a guess, and I could be wearing a tinfoil hat, you know. Right. There's so many factors in, like, you know, the correlation and it's
0: like, ah, who knows. So what what was the name of the analytics tool?
1: It's p You know, p has been around forever, but you used to have to put it on your own server in order to get it to run. It is called Matomo. M A T O M O. I typically stick to analytics for simplicity,
0: and then I've actually never, even as data-driven as I am, I've never gotten into tracking the clicks and the activity and the stuff on the site as much. But um, a few months ago, you know, I, I try and keep up with folks, even if I don't do like a proper update. But you were telling me about some of the Pinterest experiments that you were doing, and because you had things set up like like you mentioned, with a tag manager, you were able to get some decent data from the Pinterest stuff that you're working on. So tell me about what you did and some of the findings that you have so far. What I
1: did, I already had the article, so people who are doing this, if they're just starting out, they probably won't see the increase as quickly as I had it. I redid all my featured images on the website to a 600 by 900 pixel featured image now that's not when they come to my site they don't get blasted with this huge featured image before they can see anything I've in fact I don't even have a featured image at the top uh, it's just the website header and then the title but then in the content I have a narrowed down or a, a smaller version of that featured image in the content near the top. I did that for all the articles. I had an old Pinterest account that I fired back up, and I did keyword-rich description for the account. Then I did 22 boards for each product line, and those were Keyword rich both in the title and the description. And then each pin, basically, I used my Google meta description, Mm -hmm. you know, where you put in the 150 characters or whatever for Google. I used that as my pin description and then did relevant hashtags with it. And so I started out, I was getting just a trickle of traffic without doing anything between one and five visitors per week. And I grew that in three months to a hundred visitors per day. And that happened at the time when Google started all their updates in August, you know, medic and whatever. Sometimes I would get dinged. Sometimes I wouldn't get dinged, but it irritates me when Google does updates and I haven't been doing anything wrong and I get dinged. And so I decided I was going to have a second source of traffic. Right, And so that's what I did. Now, it is not the same as Facebook or Twitter or those social media. It is actually a visual search engine. People go to Pinterest to find out how to do things and to learn about what they need for projects they have and everything else. And it's not just women. Believe it or not, I have 45% men and 55% women that look at my profile. Which is, I got a higher percentage of men than women compared to the site, but there's enough men on there to make it worth your while. And it's not all recipes and, you know, Etsy crafts. Some of my pins are getting repinned like crazy because they're beautiful images of the product. So I did that and then I used, there's a free version of it and then a paid version of it, but a program called Tailwind that is a scheduler for Pinterest and Instagram, but I use it for Pinterest. It makes my workload about an hour per month in pinning and repinning content and doing the strategies. And basically the strategy is have your own boards, have boards that are related. Say for instance, you're into lawn care and you're pushing lawnmowers. Well, then you can have an uh, outdoor barbecue board because people barbecue on their lawns or barbecue in their yards. And you attract similar type of customers to what your products would be geared towards.
0: Nice. So, so think I, of the audience. Think of the market, not just yes,
1: the, the not, product. Exactly. Think of your market. Who, is, who would buy your product? Then think of what else would they be interested in? that it doesn't have to be you, then you can bring in pins from other people who are fitting that niche. They in turn will do the same for you Mm -hmm. and pretty soon you've developed a network and you don't have to talk to anybody.
0: (laughs) Which is the goal. That's our goal anyway, right? Yes. Okay, cool. It's funny because... You know, we were chatting beforehand and I'm doing some updates with other people. Everyone is like so interested in Pinterest. There's a student of mine, she's in town. So I invited her over. You'll hear it on the podcast scene on the YouTube channel as well. But we were Uh sitting right here earlier and she was telling me about Pinterest. She was telling me about Tailwind and like the exactly what you're saying. She spends a little time each month. She batches it. She sets up her whole month and then like it's set
1: yeah I spend about an hour a month
0: you said you went from like basically you know a few visitors a day from Pinterest to about a 100 within three months so has huh? it
1: leveled off or does it grow it actually has declined a little bit since Christmas is over but everybody I've talked to that does Pinterest says that's normal but it is steadily growing it, well, I mean it dropped down to like 70 but it's still 70 to 90 and it's it's still growing okay so.
0: Cool. Now, did you notice a correlation between the posts that were being pinned or the most activity with a ranking?
1: So was there a correlation between those? The correlation I've seen is the more engagement your pin gets, the higher it will rank in the Pinterest search traffic. It really has very little to do. It has to do with the relevancy of your description and title, but it has little to do with what you've done on your website and how great your website is is more about the engagement of that pin so in all honesty you could have a really crappy website and make this great pin and you'll drive traffic
0: from that point of view like it's all about that image right yes so yeah.
1: how did you create the images did you do it yourself did you outsource it i outsourced the first batch again didn't like too much what I got. So then I went and found LifeWire's cousin. It was in the same niche. It's, I don't remember the name of it, but it's one of the other about.com. I found their Pinterest board and looked at their pins and they're all, it's obviously it's Madison Avenue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they, they've paid somebody to do their pins. So then I went and took their format, not their images but their format, how their styling and stuff, and I went and duplicated it in Adobe Illustrator and used that. Different colors, you know, different fonts, but basically the same format.
0: Okay, cool. And that's interesting. So you found something that was working and then you emulated it without copying it, which I'm sure, I mean, yes. there's hardly anything
1: original. I'm sure they got that yeah. from
0: somewhere else, right? So. Yeah. And
1: then I've done some experimentation since, and I've actually found a really good review template to use. So yeah. I'm now using that.
0: Okay. Like review templates, like for, for
1: review For review posts instead of a best list for a review post. Basically a big, huge, beautiful image of the product underneath it with a gray gradient. I have just the product name like uh, the, the Acme red bomb, you know, Mm. and then, uh, below that I have in my branding colors, I have the name of my website. Oh, and then I have a small under the title. I have a small italic, uh, product review and comparison in smaller font and italic. So they know it's a product review and comparison price comparison, and that's working great. Okay. Very cool.
0: And um, just to rewind, so you said you had a decent amount of content when you first started on Pinterest. So how how many posts did you
1: have? I was up to the 540 mark. Okay. So did you... Before I start? How did you
0: decide what to create pins for?
1: I did it for everything.
0: Everything. So just 100%. And then did you put everything into rotation? And I understand Tailwind has some intelligence so you can repin the good stuff, right?
1: Yes. I pinned directly to my boards first uh so i'd do about 10 a day 10 to 20 a day i might do 10 in the morning 10 at night until i got all my pins on there then i started rotating them through tailwind and pinning them to relevant boards and that kind of stuff
0: okay but i
1: pin directly first okay i use tailwind to start the pin use it to pin from pinterest
0: okay and at this point, we're getting to area which I don't even know what you're talking about, but I I understand. So you you create <laughs> your guys
1: are glassing yeah. over. <laughs> so
0: you create your own. I, yeah, I could care less about Pinterest, but I think I'm going to get into it since I've heard about it so much, and I'm like, ah, you know what? There's probably an affiliate program for Tailwind, right? So I'll ch- I'll check it out. You create your own boards. You created 22 of them. You populated each of those boards with all of your 530 posts and then after that you started pinning other stuff into your boards
1: also not into my own personal boards that have my products i created relevant boards pinned other products plus my products into those boards okay Uh, other people's pins plus mine Gotcha. So the t-
0: the twenty, we'll struggle through this together. So the twenty two boards you filled with your own stuff, and then you created other boards. Yes. In which you pinned other people's stuff as well as yours. Yeah. For instance. Okay. Uh, if you had, let's, let's use fruits. Let's use fruits like okay, pears fruits. and apples and bananas.
1: Okay. So <laughs> let's say you have pears, apples, and bananas boards. Then you could have a tree horticulture. Board. You could pin your articles from pears, apples, and bananas. I don't know if bananas come, yeah, bananas come from trees. And uh, also, you know, maples and that other people are doing, plus tree care and pesticide or pruning or whatever you do into that board. You could then have, say, a, a fruit recipes board where, you know, make fruit salad and how to make apple pie and different things and you can do your apple and your Mm fruit into that one as well honestly if you're thinking about your target audience and what they're going to use stuff for and what they're going to do around the stuff you can have an endless amount of boards
0: okay and do you keep creating new boards or are you kind of you're happy with where it's at right now I'm happy
1: where it's at right now. When I started doing Tailwind more, I found I had I was lacking in some categories. And I can just tell you these categories because they have nothing to do with they have to do with my audience but not with my site. You know, there's a lot of clothing websites that use Pinterest. So I did a clothing deals. I'm never going to review a piece of clothing, but I'll do clothing deals. I have electronics, that's a, <laughs> yeah. a broad and i have some of my stuff in that and a lot of other people's stuff i have jewelry mm-hmm. and home crafts and uh food tips these are all things that would be around sure some of my products
0: so like when you start pinning other people's stuff do they see that you pinned it and then they're, they'll check out your stuff potentially
1: at times and okay. times they'll follow you and okay. the good thing about pinterest It doesn't matter if you have one follower, hundred thousand followers. Honestly, Pinterest doesn't use that anymore in their search rankings, which is what you Mm -hmm. want—is their search rankings.
0: Okay, cool. Because I, I mean, I I remember (laughs) there was a stretch where I, I recall, you know, it was a very big deal to have so many followers, but I guess they've changed up their algorithm a bit.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's based on the relevancy of the pin and people's reaction to it.
0: Okay. Interesting,
1: very good and like I said I'll have to
0: <laughs> I'll have to get into it now that I've heard tailwind like multiple times already in the last couple of days.
1: The nice thing about Pinterest is actually it converts better than Google traffic. It is not a lot better, but it's a couple percentage points higher than Google traffic. Okay.
0: And the and this is tying it all back together. Thanks, Duke. So basically, you were keeping good track with the Google Tag Manager. So you saw yep. that at least more people were clicking over to, to Amazon. Re-
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't track it past that. I look at it as I've done my job if I've gotten somebody to click to Amazon.
0: Mm-hmm. But what we can take away, right? So let's say someone hasn't started a site yet they start a site, they get maybe 30 pieces of content on there pretty quickly. Maybe they need to get more on there, but they get some content published. They can start pinning stuff. They can start that activity and potentially mm-hmm. get traffic You know, long before they're going to get sure. much traffic from Google.
1: Exactly. In my head, that was one of the things I was trying to figure out is if I was going, because I got some guys that want me to teach this stuff to them. I'm not Pastoring a church right now, but old members of my last church. And they want me to teach this stuff. How do I get them to get some traffic even sooner than the six month mark or Ricky and Jim's eight month mark or whatever? You know, how do you get it? And Pinterest is the way you can get quicker traffic.
0: Yep. And the Christy, uh, like I was talking about earlier, who lives in town, her site she started it in like mid-October. She's getting, you know, some traffic from Google, but she's been able to really take advantage of like Pinterest traffic um, primarily through Mm -hmm. just smart outreach and being active on Pinterest. So she has like quite a bit more traffic than most people would have in, you know, three months time because she's like, taking advantage of Pinterest. Like, right. you know, it, it's not going viral, but it's like big for a brand new site because again, yep. outreach, smart connections and like being active and, and trying. So right. interesting. Okay, so one final thing. So you were um, at very little traffic. You started with Pinterest. You got up to about 100 visitors from Pinterest per day. Like what was the buildup like? Like how
1: long did it take for it to start working? It took about a month to start seeing a difference and it was i don't know tw- 25 or so and it kind of jumped it was 25 or so then you know next week it was 35 and then the next week it was 50 mm-hmm. and kind of that yeah yeah you know, hockey stick ho- hockey stick yes uh gotcha type thing
0: yeah and I, I have heard um a couple people mention there seems to be like a sandbox period for pinterest where they you know you have to earn your credibility before they start, you know, pushing your stuff a little bit more. So, so maybe that month, month or so could have been. Yeah, interesting, cool. So, from a link building standpoint, can you tell us a little bit
1: about what you've done there on the big site? I. Used a couple services to acquire some guest posts. I did 20 guest posts to the large site. I also used another guy I know who got me 10 newspaper, you know, local newspaper links as well. And other than that, I basically did. Pinterest is the only social network I ever see in Google Analytics. Or okay. not analytics, Google Google Search Console. At least a portion of your Pinterest links in Search Console. So yep. that's all I did. And the little site, I didn't do a darn thing. In fact, I didn't really do much to it at all for almost the entire year. I'm doing stuff to it now, but I didn't do stuff to it almost the entire year. Just let it cruise along because I was bound to determined I was going to make that large site pay. I wasn't right. going to lose my money.
0: <laughs> right, right. Interesting. So for the smaller site, uh, basically no link building at all, right? No. Okay. No. And then is that keyword golden ratio based or is it some
1: like something else? Probably, probably 30% keyword golden ratio based. The rest was just keyword research. I started off using Keyword Finder. I don't use it anymore. Keyword Finder works fine for informational articles. I think it, fails some with uh, buyer's keywords. It does it's keyword competition tool metrics doesn't work as well. Okay, cool. So that's what I did. Some of them were pillar posts. I got a couple really huge pillar posts and some best lists and not a lot of product reviews, but that's changing. So,
0: so it sounds like since you did a lot of, you did a lot of link building for the larger site, and then you haven't been doing as much, and you're making more money on the smaller site. So it sounds like maybe you're
1: not that interested in doing link building. Is that accurate? I've never been interested in it. And at this point, I'm just not seeing the return on it. There was a time when I used to be able to build links and rank. Mm -hmm. You know, you would see movement. I haven't seen any movement. And so I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, and I can spend a thousand dollars link building or I can spend a thousand dollars on content. Well, a thousand dollars of content is going to make me more money than the thousand dollars of link building. That's just the way I've seen it at this point. If, if somebody can show me different, I'd love it, but I can't figure it out. Right.
0: Well, then the other thing is basically whatever you want someone to show you, there's someone who's selling you something who could show you (laughs) something that'll make you want to buy whatever they're selling. So I totally understand what you're saying. And I think, I mean, for a lot of people, the link building portion, like you said, you've never been interested in link building. That's not as fun. If you find it fun, like you're in a rare group. uh, a, A lot of my friends, they do enjoy the link building Part of it and just the outreach part of it and blah, blah, blah. My observations anecdotally over the last, you know, year, 18 months or something is like the links take a while to kick in. And it's like, you have to be consistently getting links over three months, six months, nine months. And then like the links don't kick in all the way, maybe for a year. So it's like you do all this stuff and it's hard to tell probably because, you know, people like you and I in the past, We built a lot of links and we would see things happen. We would adjust the anchor text. We would add more links. And you could just see what worked and then you could abuse um, the system where right. with a long enough timeline, it takes the ROI out of it so that you're left to do something, you know, hopefully that makes the internet A better place versus like, you know, building links that are garbage. So yeah, I think there's a lot of randomness into it. And links still help, of course, but it's like, it's hard to tell like what links are helping. And then there's other factors too, right? I think maybe, right? Don't necessarily do this Duke, but I'm thinking the larger site, maybe it was so competitive that the links that you got were maybe like just a drop in a sea of many other you know, sites that had tons of links where like your smaller niche, like you're ranking without links. Like what if you had a couple of links to a couple pages that needed? I don't know. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything, uh, that, you know, interesting going on that you want to, that I didn't ask about that?
1: Not really. Other than I'm basically doing this full time. Now we were already set up fairly well. We sure. you know, done Dave Ramsey's course, you know, my wife's really good with saving money and not going in debt and all that stuff. So we're, we're debt-free. So we're able to do this full-time now. So it was 18 months to get to the point. Uh, other than that, I, I don't know. I just I think it, we're doing good, you know. It's fun to be in it and doing it. Yeah. I've been blogging since 2011. And I have worked at numerous different ways of trying to monetize my efforts on the internet. Until I came across you and Human Proof Designs and Authority Hacker, I had not cracked the code yet mm. of how to do it. My biggest website, which is my blog, gets, well, it's probably at 50,000 visitors a month, but it only makes $450 a month on advertising. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? So the return on investment with the niche sites, it's been good for me. It's been a life changer for me.
0: Nice. Very good. Well, that's cool. That's good to hear overall. And the podcast, which we're going to put this both on, if you're watching this, it's on the podcast too. And then uh, for people that are listening to the podcast, we're putting it on the YouTube channel. So there's some cross-pollination, but we have the luxury of covering and and talking about whatever we want. So the financial independence could be cool for us to talk about sometime in the future, Duke. So if if people are interested, please let us know. My wife is really good with numbers too. (laughs) So hopefully uh, we'll be in the position you're in sometime soon. So just to close it up for people that maybe let's aim at people that maybe haven't started a site yet and they're thinking about it. So what advice would you give the budding entrepreneur interested in affiliate marketing?
1: The first thing I would do is get products out of your head. Don't go, I like fishing poles. Instead, go, I really love to fish. How can I make a website that is great about fishing or golfing, canoeing, whatever it is you're into or something you'd be interested in? A product focus just becomes much more difficult to Compete and to monetize or get a good return on investment. Secondly, quit worrying about getting it all right. Instead, just do it. I learned huge valuable lessons in my second site, uh, the large site, that I'm now applying to the first site that's going to take it to the next level. Mm. Start doing it. You learn by doing. You can't learn by watching Another video, you got to start putting it to practice. And that's what I love about Jim and Ricky. I disagree with a lot of what they say, uh, to be very honest, but I love that they're encouragers that encourage people to get in there and do it. And that's why they're successful. So, yep.
0: well said. So, to quickly summarize, like, take action. You're going to make mistakes. You can fix it later. And, um, that's the core piece, right? As long as you're doing something, moving a little bit forward, you're going to figure it out.
1: Yeah. My first blog in 2011 was a blogger blog and it was just, it was ugly. Yeah. I (laughs) remember those. Yeah. I think I had
0: one of those too. That's funny. All right. Well, Duke, thanks again. It's been a pleasure uh, catching up. And yeah, um, yeah we'll uh, maybe get something else out on the calendar sometime soon. So have a great day and you you do know, really appreciate yet.
1: it. Okay, take care.
0: Thanks a lot to Duke. Really appreciate you spending the time chatting with the Doug Show audience. So thank you. I am recording today from the new studio that I'm in it's the uh, Longmont studios that I'm in here and actually it's it's really my closet so we moved and I, I think you probably heard me talking about this for a few episodes if you're a longtime listener and it's nice here I can tell you that um, I can tell you that when I left Bozeman when I was when I was leaving it was I think I don't know, like four degrees or something like that. And it was just so much warmer down here in Longmont. Now I got to also mention that Bozeman, it's great. I I loved it there, but um, it was a particularly cold and snowy, like six weeks or two months or so leading up to us moving. So I don't miss the cold and I know I, I was looking, I was wearing shorts yesterday and a t-shirt because it was like 60 degrees and sunny and I looked at the weather in Bozeman and it was, you know, in the teens, just so cold. So anyway, we're we're here down in Longmont, which is pretty close to Boulder and I am recording in my closet because we're in an apartment currently. You know, we didn't, we are kind of moved quickly so we didn't have time to look at a house or look for a house. And we didn't, well, we don't really know exactly where we would want to live. So this was a situation when we moved to Bozeman as well. We kind of, we didn't know what neighborhoods we wanted to hang out in. We didn't know what we enjoyed in the particular area. So we're kind of going to do the same here. We're going to sort of see like what we think of this area and, you know, look around a little bit. So the other The other cool thing is this apartment building is brand new. So it's a brand new complex. So it's clean and nice and and new. The amenities are pretty pretty good. So they have a gym, which has all brand new equipment. Very spacious, um, like tons of room. And it's as good as like some gyms that I've been to. So that's great. I actually was really out of my routine over the last couple of months because I was worried about selling the house. I was worried about packing, moving, and a whole set of other activities that you have to deal with when you move. And then, you know, all the snow that we were getting, I mean, the moving day, like when the guys came and loaded the moving truck, it was literally like negative one to zero degrees, like Fahrenheit. So very cold. Anyway, it's cold up there in Bozeman. It gets very cold and um, we were fine with it for the years that we lived there. But yeah, it was a long winter for even natives of the Bozeman area. The closet here, like I said, I'm in the, the new recording studio and it I think it sounds pretty good. Now, the, the good thing with a closet is there's clothes in here and they're hanging up. So it kind of, it, it, uh, it's like a natural acoustic, like what, what is it? It doesn't reflect the sound anymore. So you can get like acoustic treatments and stuff that you may see in recording studios. Usually it's like foam that's irregularly shaped. And, um, with the clothes in here, it kind of forms a natural barrier between the walls and there's not that many surfaces. So I hope this is pretty clear. And the other benefit, I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but this is actually the closet that has the like communications box of the house. So, or of the apartment. So we have like the fiber modem in the closet here. And then I also have my router in here, which is another story for another day, but uh, I have the router in there. And the point is I could probably live stream from the closet and, you know, connect directly to, it's good to have a wired connection whenever you're doing a live stream, just for the, you know, the quickness, of course, when you're wired, it's going to always be faster than a wireless connection. But the other part is you wanna have uh, good reliability, right? You don't want your signal to drop or anything like that. Now, honestly, I, I don't have too many issues with the signal dropping. We have a pretty strong router and it seems to work fine. But the other cool thing with this apartment here is you can get like gigabit fiber to the apartment. It was already wired basically. And it's, it's run by the city of Longmont. So it's fast and it's cheap. So I'm getting like gigabit service for like 50 bucks a month. And it's, it's run by like the city. So I don't have to deal with like uh, Comcast, Charter, CenturyLink, fill in the blank, like any cable company or internet company. I'm just dealing with the city. And I actually called on a Thursday afternoon and they were installing it in less than 24 hours. And it took like, I don't know, an hour. So it was fantastic. Really good service. And apparently, word on the street, or at least the, uh, the company that, that does it, or the, the branding by the city, it's called Next Light, And it's supposed to be the fastest like, city-run or mu- municipality-run internet service, which is cool. It is very fast. I haven't uploaded any videos yet, but it's something like 10 times faster than the fiber that I was using back in Bozeman. Okay. So I think that's probably good on this tangent. And let's get to some of the questions here. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Duke has been just sort of a fixture in the niche site project community over on YouTube, showing up for many, many of the live streams over the you know, past year and a half or two years or so. And it's great to have him there. He He's actually one of the moderators because he kept showing up and I needed some help keeping the trolls at bay. And Duke was always kind enough to help. So as we are looking at some of the questions here, I'll just kind of go through them and I'll give people a shout out. So first question and I'll sort of, I'm going to read, but I'll also take out the unimportant stuff. So Um, This is from Greta Van Fleet, and he says, Hey, Duke, um, I have seen that you sometimes use the Amazon logo in the charts and tables, and Amazon will block your account as soon as they find out. So a couple things, and I think uh, perhaps Greta uh, has had some interaction with Duke, and basically Duke says, and that's why Greta knows uh, and has taken a look at Duke's site. Now, basically, um, we try and keep the sites private because of negative SEO, which is another story, but Duke does say that the images and any kind of logos from Amazon are pulled from the Amazon API, and that's one of the features with the content egg plugin. So that is sort of the idea there. The takeaway is and Greta is right you can't you can't just use logos and uh, the Amazon name while you're in the Amazon Associate program any way you want. There are specific rules about how you can use the branding of Amazon and you know it goes down to color and buttons and font detail and font size and all like all sorts of details. So if you're unsure about that, It's usually best not to, you know, make up your own button or anything like that. All the details and stuff are listed in the, I think it's like the brand usage guidelines for Amazon. And I believe you could probably find a link for that in the associates, like terms of service and that sort of thing. The unbiased review says, can you please tell... Should we upload content on the home page or should we display post pages, etc., on the made page? And Duke says this I personally like a magazine type format of top post, latest post, and maybe some categories with post, for instance, fishing, hunting, and survival, etc., if you're in the outdoor niche. And I generally like that um, as well. I maybe would peel back and Maybe take out uh, the categories, and I I always like to have a small about section, so it can be sort of an excerpt or something like that from your actual about page. But I feel like that gives some, you know, authenticity to your homepage, and you know people can get an idea what your site is about and what you're about. All right. Oh, and that last question was by unbiased reviews. Okay. Next question is Aaron Vigil says, "How do you let your VA or project manager add in your Amazon affiliate links to your post?" And Pastor Duke says, and that, "That sorry, that's his that's his name on on YouTube there." So Pastor Duke Tabor, um, Duke says, "I don't. I ask them to write about the article. I insert the links and short codes afterwards." So. I actually let my like content editor put in the links and there's just a format for the link. So you don't have to give a person access to your Amazon account or anything like that. All you need to do is tell them the format and they place in the, the ASIN, which I don't know what it stands for, but it's like the unique code for a product. And then they put in your tracking ID. So that's, that's it. Very simple And that's all you have to do. They don't have to get access to your account or anything like that. All right. Grant Hanford says, another good interview. It would be great to hear about the site setup in these interviews. Duke mentions a ratio of info versus review articles. I'd be interested in learning about what else is on the site. Nuts and bolts kind of stuff. And... Duke tries to answer, actually very lengthy, so I'll get into it here. Um, We don't, and I don't really understand either what Grant is asking as far as nuts and bolts, but for the money pages, uh, Duke has things like best of list and target, target groups and product reviews, product comparisons like product A versus product B, and then for the info pages, there are ultimate guides or how-to articles, topic relevancy articles, and whatever else, Answer the Public spits out. So Answer the Public is a, a basically a content research type tool. And if you enter in just a phrase or a keyword or something like that, it will tell you hundreds of different questions that people ask about that topic from you know directly related to you know sort of secondary topics that are related super helpful especially if you're looking for informational content ideas just like duke says and further duke says this every category i cover is basically in its own content cluster it's not a direct silo but they're interlinked based on category and i'll cross link when it's appropriate to a shoulder or or to a shoulder category. Um, for instance, dog food and dog feeders would be shoulder to shoulder with one another. Hope that helps. Okay. So that was very thorough and Grant came back and said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And this is, I mean, I get some questions like this pretty often where people, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I've internalized a lot of A lot of the details, right? So if someone asks, you know, what content you put on a site, it's like half informational and half product reviews. And you could break it down further, but you can do it however you want. There's no prescription, right? So Duke did it this way, but it doesn't mean it's the only way. In fact, it's definitely not the only way. It doesn't mean it's the right way either. It's just the way that Duke chose to build a site. Further, uh, we know from the interview that maybe some of the choices that Duke made weren't 100% right. I mean, he has a site with 500 posts on it and another site with 70. And of, co- I'm assuming the answer he gave here is his you know, refined, most up-to-date answer after taking action and learning and that sort of thing. But the point is, just because you hear what one person does doesn't mean you should do it that way, it definitely means, or it definitely doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. Okay. All Wayne Gray says, Duke is very knowledgeable. I really enjoy the interview. It's packed with a lot of information. So no, not a question there, but just want to give all Wayne a shout out since he's on a lot of these. Okay. And let me keep scrolling through for some more questions here. Oh and Josh Brown just another quick comment. Josh says congrats on being debt free to Duke that's a great accomplishment and it was work over this is what Duke says it was work it was a work over time and my wife deserves all the credit so I thought that was super interesting too I have a light interest in the financial independence area as well so if you're interested in that, Uh, shoot me an email. Let me know because potentially that could be a whole, you know, series of interviews that I do. So, all right. Michael Beluga says this. Okay. Now I'm really confused. Duke says in his new, says his new niche site earns more than his quote generic site, but doesn't tell us how general his first site is. Can you give us an example? Let's take pets.com as an example. Are you saying that having different categories like dogs, cats, fish, birds doesn't work as well as just having one niche site about dogs, another about cats, and so on? Why does Google even care? Are we going back to exact match keyword domains? Please explain, guys, as I'm really confused now. Pastor Duke says, no, Michael, take the wire cutter instead. They cover anything. It's that general. So yeah, I think you know, one of the dangers um, with learning on the internet in a, you know, wild west type environment like we're in. And, you know, there's just people creating videos and and uh, podcasts and whatever. And there's like no editorial. <laughs> there's no editorial oversight and people could just say like whatever they want to say. It may or may not be accurate. And basically, you know, Michael asked a bunch of questions, which is cool. I love, thanks Michael for asking all these questions and YouTube comments. And essentially what it comes down to is you could be getting bad information from various sources or you may be getting information out of context. So the points that you made, Michael, make sense, especially if you heard some case study or some information about like having... A pretty narrow site versus a broad site. And, you know, luck. you know, Duke answered the question well, but yeah, I can see how it could be confusing, especially if you are on YouTube, you're watching, you're watching videos like the interview with Duke, and then you, you watch uh, some other videos that completely contradict it. It must be really hard to figure out what to do. <laughs> so, all right, a couple more questions here. And then I'm going to hop out of here and get some coffee. All right. And let's see, let's scroll down here. Okay, my buddy here, Quentin. I've known Quentin for a long time. So Quentin Hamp says, glad you discussed the link building at the end and what you're seeing. It's fascinating to see he's getting uh, such a reward from content only. I'm a big fan of link building, but I think folks need to land longer, higher quality guest posts. I'd also agree with the fact that it takes longer to see the impact from link building. And I agree with that. And last thing that uh, Quentin mentions here is duke you should sign up for mediavine with that site that's doing 50,000 unique visitors a month i haven't seen or i haven't used mediavine personally but you're hearing about folks getting really good returns on that and duke tried mediavine and apparently he had too many international visitors on his site so it wasn't quite the right audience there and I think that that covers the questions that we're going to go over today. Like I said, I do need some coffee at this point in the day. And um, let me know if you want to get some updates from Duke in the future, hear how his site's going. And if you're interested in the, you know, financial independence, debt-free sort of stuff, let me know about that too. Um, There's a strong chance I may just do it anyway, but it'll be good to have some validation that other people are interested too. So thanks for listening to the Doug show and we'll catch you next time.